It's time to take a look around the NFL with our weekly visit from John McClain here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And John McClain joins us now on the phone lines to talk all things NFL. And, John, today is the day. Rosters trimmed down from 80 to 53. You've been covering the NFL for a very long time. This is a tough day for a lot of guys across the league. What are your thoughts when, when you see all the different releases and waves that happen today? Cube, I don't think much of it because 16 will be re-signing with teams tomorrow on the practice squad. Usually there was no such thing as a practice squad. And when you had no other alternatives than to, to hope you were claimed on waivers or you were not subject to waivers and you could become a free agent or somebody would trade something for you. But I'm guessing the Raiders out of 16 will probably bring 12 to 14 players back that they cut, save a couple of four spots for players from other teams, specifically the Patriots, since that's where um, uh, McDaniels and Ziegler came from, but I tell you what, what the Raiders are doing and what they had with those number one draft choices, and I see people trying to blame it on Mike Mayock, and uh, John Gruden had total control over personnel. Right. You know, it wasn't Mike Mayock vetoed the Brady trade. It was Gruden. So you don't see many teams have the first-round picks that the Raiders have had, and so many, many of them are gone with more to be gone because they didn't pick up their fifth-year options. And then to trade Mullen, was that a surprise? Yeah, it was a somewhat of a surprise for me. That was one of those where, you know, he only played in five games last year and then he missed most of the training camp, didn't play any preseason games. He was on the pup list, and then he was activated. So to me, John, it was just an availability thing. When you got a new coach and a new GM that comes in, you have got to be able to stay healthy because you want to prove yourself to them. And when you have a new coach and GM come in, somebody the Raiders liked, that Gruden and Mayock liked, those Eagle and McDaniels may not have liked them. And right. so they need new zip codes. That's happening a lot around the league. Guys are going to end up with other teams that might be good for them uh, because they it's either maturity factory and a grow up or they stay healthy or it's, the system fit, or it could be the coaching. So uh, we're going to have another flurry of activity tomorrow as everybody goes for the practice squads because you, know, you have an option on the practice squads, but every team wants its guys because they've been with them since the off-season program. In some cases, you've been with them two or three years, and you want the guys who are familiar with what you want. In this case, when you have a new coach and a new GM and everything is new, then I would guess most of the practice squad is going to come from the guys that have been here this year since the start of that off-season program. Let me ask you about a guy like Alex Leatherwood. He was uh, drafted number 17 overall last year, uh, just didn't pan out. He, play, he played at tackle, he played at guard, and was given the opportunity to win that right tackle position this offseason. And to me, John, it just looked like he lost his confidence, and this team was thinking that, hey, they're in win-now mode, and so they don't have time for him to regain his confidence. It, I feel like that that change of scenery is probably going to be good for him to give him an opportunity to go somewhere where maybe the expectations aren't so high. He could regain his confidence because the guy didn't win the awards he won at Alabama by being a guy that couldn't play. He could play, just not with the Raiders. Unfortunately for him, he can't go back to Alabama. Right. But when they took him, as you know, people thought that was a reach. Nobody thought he was going to go that high. So the Raiders uh, – 
thought he was worth that, but most people didn't. I thought most people had him rejected to go in the second round. When you go high, the expectations are higher, the pressure is higher, media, fans, and people in the organization put more pressure on you, whether it's implied or it's been expressed to you. And I think he's a great example of a guy that needs to go get a new zip code, start over, uh, not just regain his confidence, but, you know, a lot of times when guys hear they're about to be gone, they kind of give up. They're yeah. not the same player. Right. And they think, well, I'm out of here. We had that case here with Ross Blacklock, the defensive tackles taken in the second round three years ago. He was the second big piece of the DeAndre Hopkins trade. Running back David Johnson was first, and he was over the hill, and Blacklock only started three games, and he got beat out by an undrafted rookie defensive tackle from Notre Dame named Kurt Heinish, who we've nicknamed Big Hanny, because this kid can play. He had three tackles for losses, working against the 49ers' first-team offense in the last preseason game. And so he made plays, and Blacklock didn't. So they traded Blacklock to Minnesota along with a seven to get a six in 2023. So if you can get a draft choice for somebody you know you're going to cut, that's a good deal. Right, and that was the case. A lot of people asked about Trayvon Mullen because they ended up getting a conditional seventh-round pick. They could be a sixth-round pick, and I kept saying that, hey, they just activated him off of uh, the pup list. He hadn't participated in any kind of preseason action. I don't think he was going to play, so if they eventually had done something like IR him, which is the rumor was that they were going to IR him, he wasn't going to play at all this year anyway, and it's his, it's his contract year. It's a walk year, so they weren't going to get anything for him, so I thought that they did a good job to get anything in return for a guy that most likely wasn't going to play this year. That's a great point. If he wasn't going to play this year, then he was going to be gone. They could have reached an injury settlement. Instead, they got a sixth-round pick, a conditional six. What do you think uh, the Raiders just completed the preseason like every other team in the league did? They went 4-0. Obviously, you can't carry those over into the regular season. But for a new regime, new front office and coach, how much does that give you confidence going into the regular season? I remember one year the Buccaneers went unbeaten and then I won one game regular season, got the first pick. But when you are a new coach, like Josh McDaniels, like Lovey Smith this year, you want your players to buy in with what you're preaching. A lot of new coaches try harder to win because they want the players to go, aha, this is working. This is, you know, we need to get with the program because we can win. Every coach wants to win. They're not going to do something stupid and play quarterback longer to try to pull out a game. And I don't care if it is preseason. If you go 4-0, Texans went 3-0, at least it's something positive for this time of year, and the coaches hope it carries over. Now, you're going to have all your starters going against the other team's starters. going to be totally different. But for what they want to accomplish at this time of year, I think that's a good thing. Talking right now with John McClain here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man, DeMond's got one for you. Yeah, John, you mentioned that new coaches, they want the teams to buy in, and not only specifically to the Raiders, but I guess around the league. What do you feel on the stance of veteran players being released and coming in on a team that maybe fits their need for them, but so late into training camp and right before the regular season starts? You know, if DeMond, that those veterans are being counted on to contribute right away, even though they're experienced, it's new system, it's new terminology, some positions are easier than others. That's why you see a team acquire somebody on 
waivers or they sign him during the season and a week later he's coming off the bench. That's because when you're a defensive lineman and they say when the ball snapped, get the quarterback or if you're a corner and you don't have to think a lot, and they say cover that wide receiver everywhere all over the field, it's easier. Running back, it's easier. It's harder, of course, offensive linemen, quarterbacks, wide receivers. They have to read so much and make decisions on the fly. And if you're a young guy, you know, it's even more difficult, especially if the system you've been in is totally different. Now, a lot of coaches want the same offensive system. The Patriots, Josh McDaniels in New England for a long time, except for that respite to Denver. And he's played the same system. Well, other coaches have left there, like Bill O'Brien, play a similar system. So sometimes it's easier to make the transition if you're a veteran and you can contribute quicker. What do you think about the Patriots? They've been trying to figure out their offense. They have Matt Patricia calling plays. You know, they've had Joe Judge call plays, but it looks like it's going to be Patricia who's going to be that guy. I saw him up close to personal. They didn't look very good, but it was preseason and joint practice. So what do you think ultimately happens with the Patriots this upcoming year? You go from a tried-and-true offensive coordinator and play caller like Josh McDaniels, who did a really good job of developing Mac Jones last year as the best rookie quarterback in the league to Matt Patricia. Now, I know Patricia, I'm sure he's smart, and defensive coaches watch offense, but some people think Belichick's going to call the plays. Now, I I would have thought Bill Belichick, and he gets passed because he's the greatest coach ever, would have worked really hard to get a proven developer of quarterbacks to come in and work with uh, Mac Jones. Now, maybe he doesn't call plays, but they need a proven developer of quarterbacks. They need somebody who would come in who would not not change everything. Now, Matt Patricia may try to beat Josh McDaniels. I don't see it. Maybe they're playing possum in the preseason, and they're going to be better, good right away when they start playing. But right now, I've got Miami number two and New England number three both way behind the Bills and AFC East. What did you think about the restructure that happened in San Francisco with Jimmy G ultimately keeping him on the roster this year? No trade clause, no tag clause. So unless something, unless he agrees to a trade, he's going to be a backup quarterback in San Francisco. Q, they tried to trade him. Nobody wanted him. The reason was he's a quarterback coming off surgery on his throwing shoulder. Right. And nobody's seen him throw. So they can leak to the media how great he looks. Nobody cares about that. <laughs> they almost should have played him some in preseason to prove he could throw. Right. Now, you got a problem because it's a good deal for him. If he'd have been cut, he would have signed with another team, could have been one that wanted who had a quarterback that was injured, and he might have been on a bad team. He might have gotten a minimum plus maybe a million or two to sign. As it is, he gets six and a half, and he gets to be an unrestricted free agent in March with no chance of being tagged and no chance of being traded. So say Trey Lance doesn't work out, and I'll guarantee you, if Kyle Shanahan had seen from Trey Lance what he thought he would see going into camp, Garoppolo would have been gone, would have been cut. And But he didn't. Lance started the last game here in Houston. He did not look good. He had starters. They got shut out. So I know a lot of 49er people are like holding their breath, but the first time he throws an interception – First time they lose with him, he has a bad game. Afterward, Kyle Shanahan's going to be bombarded with questions about Jimmy G.
Talking right now with John McClain here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Just got a couple more questions for you. Kellen Mond, he was released. He was the former third-round pick out of A&M. You know him very well. Uh, what were your thoughts when you saw that he was released from Minnesota? Well, there's this this uh, thing going around that the Texans wanted him, and never did. And because on draft day, his dad told the media the Texans were going to draft him. That's because his agent told him. But what his sister told the Chronicle was at the end of the second, near the end of the second round, Texans didn't have first or second round picks. Davis Mills' sister said that the Texans called the family and said, if Davis is there, we're taking him. That was before the second round was over. So they wanted Mills all along, and Mills, they made the right decision. I was surprised about Kellen Mond because he stayed at A&M every year. He started something like 46 games, mm-hmm. and then he just totally bobbed out. I'm sure he'll end up on a practice squad somewhere. A lot of people are trying to say he's coming here, and maybe he is, but they, they did not want him over Davis Mills last year. Final question for you, uh, going right to Houston, a guy that looks like he's really good. I've seen you tweeting about him. How about Damian Pierce, the running back? Uh, they made Marlon Mack expendable. Uh, how good is this guy potentially? He started one game at Florida last year because of the talent, and they rotated him. So he didn't have a lot of mileage. And the Texans drafted him in the fourth round. As soon as he stepped on the field, we could see he had a chance to be special. I started saying that. He was a candidate to be NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year after the draft because I had friends in the NFL who'd been to Florida and had watched a lot of tape of him. And so he's a great kid. Now, they're going to have four rookie starters, but uh, Lovey Smith yesterday wouldn't commit to him as a starter. And so I wrote, Lovey doesn't have stupid across his forehead. Of course he's going to start, and he is going to start because the kid is special and let me ask you this, Q. Would you start Damian Pierce, who lit it up and averaged 7.8 yards to carry in training camp, or Rex Burkhead? Oh, yeah. I'm starting I'm starting Pierce every day of the week and twice on Sunday, John. <laughs> I told fantasy people, jump on Damian Pierce. He's got a chance to improve the NFL's worst running game, worst in franchise history, with a coach, Lovey Smith, and offensive coordinator, Pep Hamilton, who want to run the ball better. They got two new guards. They got Laramie Tunsil back at left tackle. So they're going to run the ball a whole lot, and he is going to be the so called bell cow. Yeah, no, I, I, I saw him in a preseason action. He looked really good, and I saw the tweets that you were uh, tweeting about him. So, uh, yeah, excited about what he could bring to the table. And Houston's had some really good running backs in the past, so uh, I think they know a little something about running backs. Well, John, fantastic stuff. Is this week the week that you could tell us about what you got going on? I thought I was, and if it was, I would have already told you. Now, next, one of them's being announced next week on September 5th, and I'm hoping the other one in which, between the two, I'll be writing six times a week. And uh, I'm hoping by the time we talk next, I'll have both of them already announced. Nice. All right. Well, we'll be waiting for it, John. We'll wait on your time. It's all good. We appreciate you as always. Appreciate it. Q and DeMond, thank you guys very much as always, and good luck to the Raiders. 
There you go. The great John McClain right there giving a little bit of a look to uh, the Raiders this uh, this upcoming year as they get down to the 53-man roster. A lot of folks been hitting me up. Q, where's the 53-man? Where's the 53-man? Uh, I can't find it anywhere. I don't have it officially in my hands yet. Uh, I don't know when it's going to come through. It has not come through yet, but as soon as it does, we'll let you know about it. So uh, definitely uh, keep on hanging on and, and waiting around for that. Uh, let me, before we take a quick break, let's go on out there and uh, get caller number nine right now at 702 365 Three, yeah, 702-365, excuse me, 9200. Uh, that is the Raider Nation listener line. You want tickets to go see Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, and Joan Jett? We're looking for caller number nine right now. We're going to get you hooked up. The show is September 9th at Allegiant Stadium. Hit up Damon right now, who's sitting in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Salmon Ash text line wide open like some old school TV antenna. 69187 keyword R&R coming up around 3.30. Coach Matt Gerber, Arborview Football. He is a Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award winner as uh, Arborview came away with a 38-6 victory over Shadow Ridge, being 2-0 on the young season. And uh, they have a bye week coming up, and then they have a big-time uh, game coming up, a big-time game coming up in the Poly Classic, uh, going to be going down at Bishop Gorman, so look forward to that. But we'll be talking to Coach Matt Gerber coming up around 3.30. Uh, got some plenty of text messages on the Salmon Ash text line. This one's from the 909. People need to be nice. They are people, too, talking about the players. I like someone who calls Alex a bum for getting cut. Try to go out there and have Max or Chandler or Matt come at them full speed and not get pushed back. He was put in a tough spot. Good luck, Leatherwood. Uh, that's from a text from the 909. Uh, got a text from the Mailman Raider. For every fantastic late-round pick Gru and Yak had, uh, there was a double, the horrible top-round picks, whether they're bad or just not on the field. The new regime has weeded all of them out for uh, out for dues. I'm trusting the process. Just pick me up an old lineman so I feel a little bit better about the line. Uh, and that's the thing about this new regime. Uh, you know, they're just weeding out the guys that they feel like fits and the guys that don't. If they don't feel like these guys fit or they don't feel like that they can grow into what they're looking for in a quick amount of time, they're just moving on from them. You know, again, they don't have any allegiance to them. So uh, I trust that Dave Ziegler, Champ Kelly, and company are putting together the best 53 men in the mold of what they're looking for. So that's, I think that's the biggest key. Also, I want to shout out to John, who was winner of the uh, Motley Crue tickets. He's going to Allegiant Stadium September 9th to see not only Motley Crue, but Def Leppard, Poison, and also Joan Jett. Here's a phone call that I've been waiting for all afternoon, 702-365-9200. Raider Mac, welcome to the show, brother. What's on your mind? What's up, Q? Gentlemen. What's going on? Oh, man, hey, I, was man. Ta- I was talking about you at the beginning <laughs> of the show with the Trayvon Mullen news. Tra- hey, look, I, 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 I'm just telling you, I wasn't hating on the kid. Right. But I, I just thought he, he, never, he never played for five, six games in a season. He just wasn't, to me, he wasn't all that. Right. McDaniel saw that, and he wasn't available none of the time. I, I, I'm not hating on the kid. I just, I, I wish him well in Arizona, but we, I, I just didn't see him as a starter with us. That's right. just my opinion, and I guess McDaniel's agrees with. Me. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> hey, 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 Q. One thing, I, I and I know the the you guys don't have the the 53 man roster yet, but that roster will change. Like before the season starts again. Oh yeah, it'll probably it'll change more multiple times before the weekends. So what? Wh- why would we change? I thought everybody, unless we need another DB, 
are, are we gonna? Do you think we're gonna get more DBs? Um, I'm not sure about the DBs. I think that if they find an o- offensive lineman out there that they that they really like, I think that they'll go in that direction. Uh, if they find a DB that they like, maybe they will. But uh, I have a feeling that they're going to be pretty good uh, with the guys that they have on the roster. I think that they feel pretty comfortable with uh, you know the guys that they held on to. Oh, okay. Hey, one more thing, Q. Hey, okay. So Leatherwood, I know everybody's all. All on this kid, and they just disappointed, calling him a loser and all that stuff. You should see what Twitter—that's ridiculous. Uh, Twitter, I mean, Twitter's a cesspool, man. I, 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 yeah, I can't no, stand I it. No, I understand that, but still, <laughs> you don't call the kid a loser. No, here's the problem. I, I, I think, I think we're making a mistake. This is just my opinion. Yeah. I think we should have just moved him inside to that to that right guard position and let him finish up there. If he didn't work out, let his contract finish up. But we didn't even give him a chance. And But that's the Patriot way. They don't believe, and, and I got a friend that's a real big Patriot fan, and they don't believe that if you if you don't do good, they, they get rid of you right away. They they want they want guys to replace. They, they feel that they can replace you with anybody. You look at all them great picks, Chandler Jones, all those guys that when they come to money time, they get rid of these guys. It's not that they can't play, but Leatherwood should have got a, another opportunity. Tell me if you agree or disagree that he should have went into right tackle. I'll let you go. All right. Hey, thanks for the call, man. Appreciate you. And look, I'll say this. I, I think that he probably was a, a, a right guard. I think he'll eventually settle in at the right guard position. I just think that they saw what I saw in practice, which doesn't mean that, you know, I'm right about anything. Uh, but I think that they saw that his confidence was just shot. And really, honestly, they might have done Alex Leatherwood a favor by just letting him move on, get a, a, a fresh scenery and some guys that believe in him and give him the opportunity to grow. That's, that's the two things that I think right there is the fact that, they weren't really w- willing to wait to allow him to grow into a position that they hadn't let him practice that really that much throughout the course of the year. I mean, remember in training camp or, or OTAs, there was a few times that he took reps at guard. And this is something, DeMond, that we brought up many times. Remember I said, how long do you practice him at tackle before you say, yeah, this is not working and kick him inside the guard? And so they, they kept him at the tackle position for the majority of training camp and preseason and everything. I think that they were just settled in on this guy's either going to be a tackle or he's not. And he just, he just, didn't, just didn't pan out. Because you don't draft Dylan Parham. He's the guard of the future. He's the guard. Hey, if things don't work out, right. then he'll, he'll be starting. He's, he's pushing Lester Cotton for that starting spot at right guard. Right. Alex Leatherwood would just be, hey, we need you to do this. Right. And it's then there's less... Yeah, there's Lester Cotton, too. I mean, the emergence of him. You know, a lot of people, uh, you know, he, he, who knew what he was going to be until he actually was that guy? John Simpson, I mean, he's had moments. He looks like he's going to be some depth. But, um, yeah, I just, I just think there was a lot that went into it. But, honestly, I believe the biggest factor, and I, I will go to my grave and tell you this, the biggest factor for Alex Leatherwood and them moving on is the fact that he just has no confidence right now. It's just down. And sometimes when you don't have that confidence, and again, I've said this a thousand times, it does not matter what industry you're in, what you do for a living, who you are as a person. If you don't believe in you, nobody else is going to believe in you. And right now, Leatherwood does not believe in him. So now he's getting an opportunity to go somewhere and build that back up. Expectations aren't super high right now, depending on where he goes. Who knows what that'll be. But, you know, and then he'll just go. He's got, his, he's got his money, and he's got to try and, uh, an opportunity now to, to work on his craft. And I think everyone should wish him the best, and I don't think anyone should call him a loser. I think that that's really silly. Matter of fact, if you're calling a guy that's in the NFL and just made it to the NFL regardless how long he stayed, you're calling him a loser, most likely you need to look in the mirror. You know, just, just going out, out there and saying that. Uh, let's take one more call. How about Raider X? Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What's going on, guys? Here we go with the 53, huh? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, <laughs> hey you well, well said the way you just ended that, man. You know what? I give. I I don't know what I give. I was gonna say something rude, but <laughs> I don't know what I give just to be on a fifty. Uh, just to be on an NFL roster for one day. I mean, uh, if that's the definition of a loser, call me a loser. But uh, right. anyway, bro. But um, you know what? You know, I think you nailed it with Leatherwood. I think the guy, you know, obviously is, you know, he's, he's down on his down on his luck. And, you know, the overall mindset from what we're seeing on the Patriots is that it really wasn't an investment opportunity. And I mean that the guy, obviously, they they, they seen him last year. They saw tape and they saw the way he's, he's not progressing. And, uh, you know, he's not great at anything. Like we already, you know, mapped out with uh, Colton Miller. So he's not great at anything right now. And he's not. And so they're trying to see if he was good. He's going to be good at, at, at tackle. So if he's not good there, you know, moving him to guard, you know, he's just a one-trick pony. And as you can see, it's diversity and making sure that they have, you know, versatility, I should say. Yeah. Uh, versatility in multiple spots. So that's kind of a mindset, you know, and they're looking, hey, I got these young guys. You know, obviously, you know, it's a money, it's a money uh, uh, dump. But I got these other guys that we're seeing fast gains, fast, fast gains. And obviously, you know, they're invested and they're coming in from their, you know, their, their, uh, their choices. On the backside, Trayvon Mullen, you know, I really wasn't a great fan of him. I saw a lot of spurts of him, but I still have that bad taste from that one Chiefs game. I think that he was bent for a bit uh, back in December uh, last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember that game, and I was like, holy smokes, that guy cannot get a break. That was just an, an abominable game. I mean, he's always been decently consistent, but i never seen that overall splash. But for them to do that, God, man, they're really sending a, mis- uh, uh, you know, a message across the, across the bow for the whole team. And I think that's why we're seeing the discipline, and I think that's why we're seeing that overall play. Uh, from all the way to the third round of cats that they're even cutting, these guys are playing. I mean, they, I mean they're playing Max Crosby style. So I, I'm really excited. I mean, some drastic moves. Obviously, they can get some depth. I'll be really excited. But let's keep an eye on the Patriots and also the Giants uh, roster to see who's, who's being cut out there. Because that's what things are going to do some grabs, you know, from the fast regimes and, and those and those uh, schemes. Because obviously there's a learn, uh, you know, high learning, uh, you know, challenge as uh, you know you, you talked about before. But I appreciate you guys' feedback. Keep keep it pumping, brother. You guys have a blessed day. Take care now. Raider X out. Will do, Raider X. Thank you for the call, my man. It's always great to hear from you. A lot of good stuff right there regarding Alex Leatherwood and Trayvon Mullen. And, yeah, man, uh, my man made 14 point something million dollars. So if that's a loser, hell, let me be that loser, right? <laughs> I mean, look, I know that his ultimate goal is to be playing in the NFL, and the money is just the money. But if I was going to fail, let me fail up like that to the point where I'm going to make 14 point something million dollars. I'll be that loser. I'll be that loser all the way to the bank. I'll keep trying to work on my craft as uh, Alex Leatherwood's going to do. But uh, – uh, yeah, he, he's got the last laugh. So, yeah, I, I dare anyone to call the man a loser. It just didn't fit with the Raiders. He was put in a bad position and never was able to overcome that. And that just, it happens sometimes. So many thanks to your call, Raider X. Do appreciate you. Want us to talk about offensive line coming up at 4 o'clock. The great Lincoln Kennedy will join us. We'll talk all things Raiders, talk all things offensive line, and uh, how surprised or shocked he was the fact that Alex Leatherwood is no longer on the roster. Plus, we'll talk about the guys who are on the roster and a lot more. But coming up next, the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week has been picked, has been announced. Head coach Matt Gerber from Arborview High School. They beat Shadow Ridge 38-6, 2-0 on the season. We'll talk to him about the award. We'll talk to him about the program and what he's got going next with the team. We'll do it next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. 
Joining me now on the phone line is Arbor View head football coach Matt Gerber, and he is the recipient of this uh, week's Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award, and his team, the Aggies, came away with a 38-6 win over Shadow Ridge Friday night. Big-time win. You're 2-0 on the season, Coach. And how does it feel just to be 2-0 on the season? Well, you know, it's where we kind of were, were hoping to be at this point. You know, we, we opened up with an out-of-state opponent, um, a perennial, a pretty good team in Utah with Snow Canyon. And, uh, you know, we, we we had some first game jitters, you know, as a lot of teams do. Uh, defensively, we, we played really well. But offensively, you know, we, we, we struggled a little bit. You know, you always hope to make your biggest strides from game one to game two. And we kind of felt we did that this week. Um, we, you know, ha- had a good offensive output from our running game. Um, our defense, again, was once again, you know, really stout and uh, and held a, a very powerful Shadow Ridge offense that uh, has put up tons of points and tons of yards. Um, we held them in check. And so to be 2-0, uh, going into a bye week right now, we're pretty dang excited. You know, our, our next game is a big game against uh, Mountain Point out of Arizona in the Polynesian Classic yeah. over Bishop Gorman. And so we're we're excited to be where we're at right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, Coach, when it's early in the season, it's the you know the, the non-district or the non-league time, and you get to play these powerhouses, you really get a major test like you did you know, a week ago winning 7-0. But uh, that defense has been, been solid for you two weeks in a row now. How much does that help your program getting these uh, early season tests? Well, I mean, let's get realistic. We got Gorman in three weeks. They're in our division. <laughs> yeah, they are. And so you've got to get yourself ready in any way you possibly can. So, you know, we're going to try to schedule, you know, the best teams we possibly can schedule and and try to have, you know, the best, uh, you know, opponents to give us a look to see where we're at when we go against them. We, we've said all year that our goal is to play Gorman twice. You know, we play him once in the regular season. We want to play him in the playoffs. You know, if we do that, you know, that means we've gone pretty dang far in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, we got to get ourselves ready for that. And uh, the only way you do that is by playing, you know, as tough a competition as you can. You know, you mentioned the ground game really got rolling for you as, again, you came away with a 38-6 victory over uh, Shadow Ridge. Uh, Makai Donaldson, 150 yards almost and three touchdowns on the night. How impressive is that for him to get rolling like that? And how much pride does your offensive line take when the, the run game is able to cook like that? Yeah, I mean, Makai's a special back. I mean, when you watch him, he, he's got he's got that hit factor, um, especially when he gets in the open field. He, he has moves, and uh, he was able to get it going early on in the game, and, and our O-line did a great job of creating space. He doesn't need a lot of room. That's a great thing about Makai. His first step is so fast that he doesn't need a big hole. He just needs to get through, and once he gets to the second level, he does a lot on his own. And so to get him rolling was big. Um, you know, we, we also, you know, were able to try to, you know, get some of our possession receivers a, a little bit more, uh, you know, some yardage there and some completions. I thought overall, you know, we're, we're gaining where we want to go offensively. We're not there yet offensively and we got work to do. But, you know, defensively, you know, we're, we're, we're doing what we, we thought we can do. And this team is going to be based around those two things, I think, as the year goes on. I think you'll see it with our team. Uh, you know, it's defense is going to be pretty stout. And uh, a run game that I think, you know, with Makai and Juice Washington, 
that are going to cause some fits for some teams. Talking right now with Coach Matt Gerber from our review. He's a head football coach, also the recipient of the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award for Week 2 of the of the high school football season. Love to talk some high school football. And, you know, when you have a defense that's solid like that and you know that you can – well, let me ask, actually, let me ask you, does that make you feel like you could be a little bit patient offensively and not have to force the issue because your defense is as solid as it is? Yeah, I mean, it allows you to kind of work on areas that you know you're a little bit behind in, um, especially early on right now, you know, because you can take some risks. You, you understand that, hey, I got areas of my offense that are weak, but the only way to get those areas better is to do reps at them and get game reps at them um, and get kids experience at them. And so having a defense have your back allows you to build that offensive rhythm that you're going to need as the season goes on. We all know defense wins championships, but – you ain't winning many championships if you can't score points as well. And so you got to get that going. Um, and having a defense behind you that you know can can back you if you aren't, you know, working really well offensively at a time, but you're you're trying to build different areas of your offense, it helps a lot. How much did you see the the offseason workout that your your team was doing and everything, the conditioning that they did on their own? Because, Coach, it's early. It's, well, it's late in August, but it's early in the football season. It's still really hot outside, and so you can start to see cramping. You can start to see a lot of different factors play into these games. How have you seen your team react to the, to the heat early in the season? We've actually done a pretty good job. I, I'm pretty proud of my kids. You know, uh, we haven't had any any heat-related issues yet, no cramps yet through two games. Um, but we work our kids constantly. We we haven't stopped working since the end of January. Right. You know, we, we our season ended back in November. We gave them about a month and a half off, and we started working with these kids back in late January. And we've been working with them three to four days a week consistently having you know we, we, we uh the district gave us 20 padded practices in the month of april into may that was huge um we've been going nonstop, and uh, i think physically our kids are at a good place um you know and i was kind of worried you know i was watching you know that first game on uh, thursday night lights and i seeing kids going down with cramps left and yeah. right so i was kind of worried how our kids were going to react but you know, we've been in good shape and, uh, you know, we have a little bit of depth too. I think that helps, you know, we try to get guys that aren't going both ways and we try to limit guys on one side of the ball as much as we can. And, uh, that allows them to use their effort on one side of the ball, but also get more rest in between plays and in between series. And I think that's played a little bit of a factor as well. Talking right now with our review head football coach Matt Gerber here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Now, I mentioned a couple times you're the recipient of the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award here and always love to talk to coaches. What does it mean for you to get that uh, that award, which I know is not just for you personally, it's also for the team, but just to have that honor in your name? Well, uh, as I'm sure you know, and I, I told you a little bit earlier, this award isn't for me. It's for my staff. I mean, my staff is amazing. Um I got 20 guys on staff that work their butts off and it's truly, a, truly a compliment to them. Um, and it's a compliment to the kids that are, that are buying into those, to what our, our, our coaches are, you know, telling them and doing and, and all the work that we put in. And then you top it off with being, you know, Tom Flores. I mean, I'll tell you what, you, you talk about one of the most underrated head coaches of all time. <laughs> and one of my, what, one of, one of, one of the coaches literally is a, is me growing up that I, I just absolutely idolized and loved his demeanor and everything he did for the Raiders. 
Um, it means a lot for our program and uh, very excited and very humbled to be able to uh, get the award. What does it mean for you and your program and your players to have the Raiders as involved as they are in the community and involved in high school football like they are? I'll tell you what, it has been absolutely amazing since they've come to town. You know, you, you, you know, being I'm born and raised here in Vegas, and so we never really had any type of pro team. So we don't really know what we're going to get when we got a pro team, you know, of this caliber coming here. But, man, they have done everything. I mean, from, from when we had the COVID shutdown and they invited nine of us teams to go and have a practice in Allegiant Stadium. We were lucky enough to be one of those chosen to do it. Nice. What an amazing experience. What they've done with having the state finals in, in, in Allegiant Stadium, that, that was absolutely unbelievable atmosphere. To hosting coaching, coaching uh, meetings uh, that we have as head coaches at the stadium. Everything they have done has been first class, and uh, it's a testament to the program and, and to the organization. And, you know, there's a reason they are one of the top organizations in NFL, and they, they show it to us every every year. And uh, just, just honored, you know, to have them in our town and everything they've done for us. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I had a good time uh, watching all those state uh, championship games being played in Allegiant Stadium oh, yeah. last football season. That was a lot of fun. Oh. And it's only going to grow, Coach. It's only going to grow and grow and grow. And that stadium is such an attraction that I cannot wait to see more state championship games played there at Allegiant. Yeah, and I almost forgot. I mean, they had a seven-on-seven -seven tournament this summer yep. in the practice facility that we got to be a part of. I mean, what an amazing... <laughs> experience that was for our kids that thing was just absolutely unbelievable to go in there and you know you're practicing where the raiders practice it, it, it everything they've done has been first class and uh just excited to have them here in town and and reaching out to us high school you know teams and and coaches and players and uh it means a lot to us Coach, I could tell that you really are are into being a high school football coach. You're into your players. You're into your program. I always tell everyone who will listen, like being a high school football coach is more than just wins and losses and X's and O's. Coach, a lot of times you're a best friend. You're a father figure. You know, you're the guy that they can bounce ideas off of or just, you know, someone a sounding board to listen to when uh, your players may have some, some issues going on. What does it mean to you to be a head football coach? Man, you know, it's uh, it's – it's rewarding. I mean, it's humbling at the same time. I mean, I come from a family of coaches, so I mean, I it, it's something I've always been around. Um, and you know, and the, this is going to be what my twenty eighth year okay. coaching high school football. I think it's like my fourteenth as a head coach, and just to see all the players you get to have an impact on, you know, and more importantly, you know, that you see them after they move on from high school. I mean, to me, that that's always the greatest thing when I, I get to see my former players come around or I connect with them on Facebook or, you know, any way I can see them. It, it's it's always just a pride that you have knowing you had a part of their story um, and they have a part of my story. And, you know, I think that's kind of what it all comes down to, that we all just kind of, you know, are are hoping that, you know, we're making a positive impact on somebody's lives. And, uh, you know, that's ultimately the goal as a coach. Talking again with Coach Matt Gerber here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920s from Arbor View, now the recipient of the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award. And as far as the community goes, you know, raising these young men in the community, you know, in a positive way and, and also just teaching them, you know, fundamentals and teaching them just people skills. I mean, how, how important is that and, and how much do you see that reflected in the community? You know, it's, it, it, it's, it's, a, big, it's a big thing. And like I said, you know, 
we got a, a program that's it's pretty large it, it, where we're at, and uh, we're gonna have, those kids are gonna have a huge impact on our community, um, you know, and that's our future. And you know, we want to make sure we're instilling the right values in them. Uh, we're showing them the the right ways to do things, um, and being there for them. And uh, you know, having that opportunity uh, to work with these kids is, is something else. Um, in the same aspect, you know, we got a, an unbelievable community at Arborview that supports these kids. I'll tell you what, anybody listening, if you've, if you've been to high school football games in Las Vegas and you haven't been to Arborview, mm-hmm. you got to come out to Arborview. It is unlike any other high school environment in town. And, and this is from somebody that's been around this game since I've been five years old here in Las Vegas. It is a special community we have out at Arborview. And it is an environment everybody should check out at least once. I love it. it. Friday nights are fun in Arborview. Let me say that. <laughs> I have no doubt, Coach. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Friday Night Lights. I love watching high school football and just seeing communities come together and seeing the, you know, the competition out there on the field. But more importantly, like I said, the pageantry and the communities coming together. Oh. Before I let you go, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned the big game that you have in a couple of weeks against Mountain Point out of Arizona, a big-time powerhouse. Uh, it's going to be the Polynesian Classic. What are your thoughts, early thoughts? I know it's a couple of weeks away, but what are your thoughts on that game coming up? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we get a bye week this week, so we're, you know, we're, we're trying to start to you know, prep for them as much as we can. Um, you know, we don't got a lot on them. They have their first game actually this Friday. So we're, we're going to, we won't be getting film on them till this weekend. Uh, but what we know is, you know, they, they've got like three division one running backs. Um, they're kind of, they had a kind of a down year last year, but certainly it looks like they reloaded. Um, this was a game we were scheduled to play them in the poly classic back in 2020, but the COVID season kind of shut that down. So uh, we're, we're excited to get a chance to finally play them. Excited to be a part of the Poly Classic. This is something, you know, that as a program we've been striving to be, you know, be in. And, uh, you know, it's been two years in the making for this game. You know, as a staff, as a program, as a team, we're, we're excited for this. We're excited for the opportunity to showcase our kids um, against the best of the best. That, that's, that's what we want to do as a program. No doubt about it. Well, Coach, it's going to be a fun one. I'm excited about that game, excited about the rest of your season, and I know your players are as well. Congratulations on being 2-0 and on the season so far and uh, having a really stout defense and getting that offense uh, starting, to turn the, starting to turn the corner and look like it's starting to run downhill. So that's a, that's a positive thing for you. So, Coach. It's always a positive <laughs> thing when you start running the ball the way we're, we're starting to run. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Again, congratulations on being the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the, the Week uh, award recipient and again congratulations to your program because i know it's all about them not just you without a doubt thank you very much We, we it means a lot to us there he goes right there, head football coach Matt Gerber from Arborview High School. And I probably could talk to him for another 15, 20 minutes, but, uh, you know, we got a lot to get to on today's show. But congratulations to Arborview, the Aggies, 2-0 and on the season. Got a big-time powerhouse coming to town a couple weeks from today and uh, or something come from Friday, actually, and it's going to be a big-time matchup. So I uh, look forward to that. And, again, congratulations to Coach on uh, being the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week recipient for week two coming up next we were gonna let you hear from raymond chester as i got a chance to catch up with him on friday but we've got a ton of text messages that we've got to get to on the salmon ash text line at 69187 keyword rnr i don't want to not get to them so we're going to go ahead and go over as many text messages as we can we have lincoln kennedy coming up at four o'clock so we got a lot to get to in a little bit about a time this is radio nation radio 920
Hey, Raider Nation, this is Bruce Buffer, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time! Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Raiders just tweeted out, down to the initial 53. So what that means is that the 53-man roster has officially been released. Got a few text messages that I want to get to. Actually got a ton of text messages I want to get to. Let me try to go through the wave players really quickly. Alex Bars, linebacker Curtis Bolton, Ike Brown, the cornerback, Bryce Cosby, the cornerback, Q Cole, the safety, Cole Fotheringham, the tight end, Chase Garbers, the quarterback, Leatherwood, the tackle, Jordan Meredith, the guard, Bam Olasini, the tackle, Dylan Stoner, wide receiver, Myron Amoso, defensive end, Zach Van Vackelberg, defensive end, Austin Walter, running back, and Isaiah Zuber, wide receiver. Released, Keelan Cole, wide receiver, Haranis uh, Grasu, the center, uh, Math- Matthias Farley, safety, Darius Phillips, cornerback, Kyle Pecco, defensive tackle, Jacob Hollister, tight end, uh, also uh, Jacob Hollister was placed on the uh, reserve injured list. And, of course, uh, tr- the Raiders traded Trayvon Mullen to the Cardinals in exchange for a conditional 2023 draft pick. So that's the list coming out officially from uh, from the silver and black. And so we'll be getting those uh, lists right there together. We'll, we'll be talking about it and being able to break it down in greater length in a little while. But just wanted to kind of give you the list and let you know that it's currently up. If you want to check it out, it's on Raiders.com. Now, I got a text message from uh, – Got a very lengthy one, actually, like three-parter from uh, East Bay Raider Gray. The first one, I think trading Trayvon Mullen was not a good move. It creates a lack of depth in the secondary, and now it makes us have to play Hobbs inside and out. If he if he gets hurt, I worry who's behind him. A meek? Really? That's a drop-off. Too much unproven depth. I'd rather have kept him. Also, I think Leatherwood graded out better at guard than Cotton. They didn't even give him reps at guard. They just didn't want him. Too much dead money. Should have kept him another year as a backup and work on his technique. That's the first one from East Bay Raider Gray, and that's – that's fine to have that opinion. Obviously, Dave Ziegler and company didn't, didn't see it that way, right? And if Trayvon Mullen, let me ask you this. If Trayvon Mullen wasn't going to play at all this year, if they were going to put him on IR and he was going to sit out all this year knowing it's his last year in his contract and he was going to walk, isn't it better just to trade him anyway? I would think so. Don't you rather have someone on the roster that could compete instead of a guy who wasn't going to play at all? I would rather have that. Uh, East Bay Raider Gray goes on to say, Q, I think as Raider fans, we need to slow our roll a little bit on the previous regime. I fully agree that most first-round picks of Gruden and Mayock regime weren't good. Still think J.J. and Jonathan Abram are good picks. Ruggs was a good pick also. No one could foresee what could happen with that. But one thing I want us to factor in with our outrage of the previous regime is just that it was the previous regime. Every new regime wants their guys and factors in greatly when guys get second contracts, aren't picked Guys, second contracts aren't picked up. New regimes have less patience with players in their development if they didn't pick them. And that's 100% correct. And I think here, DeMond, on this show, we've given a lot of credit to the previous regime for the guys that they did hit on. Not necessarily harping on the guys they didn't hit on, but how about the guys that they did, like a Hunter Renfro, like a Max Crosby, like a Nate Hobbs, right? I mean, those are just three right there uh, that are less around pick guys that they hit on. Those guys are foundational pieces. Uh, Trayvon Merrick, he looks like he's going to be a really good player. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of guys on the squad that are young dudes that I think the previous regime definitely hit on. Now, there's a bunch of misses, which ultimately is going to end up costing them, you know, their job, not to mention other things. But 
I think this show has given the previous regime plenty of props for that. Yeah, and give them the props, and I'll give them even further more props when you hit on these late-round picks. These are still guys when they're being productive. It's cheap. If they would have hit on every first-round pick, you wouldn't have been able to keep everyone. We've all seen the list, hey, the list of guys from 2019 to 2021. If they hit on all of these guys and they were all just so spectacular, yes, it would be great. But could you imagine how much money these guys would have cost at this point <laughs> if everyone was a future Hall of Famer? Right. The team right. wouldn't look the same if all of those picks, because you like to do the draft game. Oh, the guy picked two spots later. He, he made a Pro Bowl right by now. Why didn't they draft him instead? Right. You can't play that game, the what-if game. Right, no doubt. Yeah, because it's painful to do it, and I, I've seen it all the time, talked about it plenty of times. Uh, a couple quick notes for you. Uh, Austin, Austin Walter is the only running back who didn't make the squad. So Britton Brown is a member of the Silver and Black. I thought he was going to have to be a practice squad guy, but they found a way to keep Josh Jacobs, Zamir White, Britton Brown, Brandon Bolden, and Amir Abdullah. Five running backs they were able to keep on the roster. Also, not on the wave list or the release list or the injured reserve list, Luke uh, Masterson, no Darian Butler on this list. So both guys made the 53-man roster as well. Sam Webb not on this list, so he made the 53-man roster as well. So a lot of guys, young guys, that made the squad. So you got to give them a lot of props. Uh, got a text from the 925, Keelan Colcut. Yeah, that was something that I think we talked about earlier in the show, uh, early in the day, as a matter of fact, that uh, he, was, he was being released and, and let go. And I don't think that that's, um, I don't think that that's really – Something against him, I think that's a credit to a DJ Turner, a T. Billy, a Mac Hollins. I think they just played better than Keelan Cole. And I think that with, the, with him playing in that final preseason game, I think that kind of told you all you needed to know. Now, Isaiah Zuber, I thought that maybe one of those two guys, if they kept six wide receivers, one of those two guys would be on there. But both Isaiah Zuber uh, waved, and then you see uh, Keelan Cole release. So uh, there's that. But, yeah, when he was playing late in, in that final four – final preseason game you kind of knew the writing was on the wall but thank you so much for that text i do appreciate you coming up next kick off hour number three of the show we'll talk to lincoln kennedy from the raiders radio network former offensive lineman he'll talk all things raiders in their roster this is raider nation radio 920